What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's been a while, uh, but I'm back. It's Andrew Ivins with my man, David Lake. David, how you doing? Doing well. How is, uh, how is the great state of Alabama? Yeah. Uh, spent, I think it was the past three or four days in Montgomery, Alabama, covering the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game for 24-7 Sports. That's kind of one of the reasons why I couldn't record uh, a podcast till Friday, so we're taping this on Friday, but it was fun. Um, not trying to take a shot at anyone in Alabama, but I think one of my favorite moments was when I went down to the front desk in my hotel. I was staying in downtown uh, Montgomery, and I asked the uh, concierge, I'm like, hey, is there a coffee shop anywhere? around here and she goes uh there's a waffle house down the street um so that was my that was my yellow hammer state (laughs) moment right there you had some good weather while you were there too i bet uh yeah uh it was like first night of practice 37 degrees i think Um, i couldn't feel my hands at one point but i'm back uh not a lot of miami stuff to talk about coming out of that was really there just kind of for my new role but we are five days away from the early signing period. David, are you watching the finish? Oh, I'm watching the finish. Yeah. Mainly one guy in particular by the name of Jake Garcia. Uh, you know, we're at that time where uh, everyone starts to get paranoid, right? You get threads popping up on different message boards from the, you know, like for Jake Garcia, the Florida State message boards are popping up stuff and that causes a domino effect of the same thread information being regurgitated on our board. Um, so it's that fun time of year. Uh, I thought, you know, we'll I thought, I thought you were going to go, this is the time of the year where all of a sudden everyone's got sources. I thought that's where you were going with that. <laughs> but I guess it's along the same lines, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mean, you know, if if people report stuff, I respect it. Hey, whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it it is a, it's a time of year that uh, if you cover recruiting, it's, it's a high amount of stress going on during the next five days. What? No, it's not. (laughs) This is, this is the easy part. This is the fun part. Um, Well, let's talk about the structure of this podcast episode. Since we are so close to the early signing period, this is a roster management podcast. We are going to talk a little recruiting, take a break, and then we'll get into UNC, obviously a monster game for the Hurricanes on Saturday. Um, David, you teased Jake Garcia. I'm assuming you want to know the latest with him. Yeah, what's what's the latest? What do we need to know with with Miami and the top quarterback target for – Seems like two years now. <laughs> um, as of lunchtime Friday, I still really like my crystal ball pick for Miami. Now, there's been some talk. I, I think some people are anticipating him announcing on Wednesday, uh, which would be the first day of the early signing period. It's It sounds like that's when he would like to decide things. Who knows? Maybe he could come at some point before that uh, we could get some white smoke from Jake Garcia, but I like Miami right now. I do think Florida state is in there. Um, I don't really know who else is all involved in the recruitment. You know, we've heard Arkansas mentioned Arizona state in the past, but it really seems like the two uh, people reporting on him are uh, Florida state and Miami. And that kind of suggests who 
at this stage in the process is, is really a player. Do you, do you remember what your confidence score is on your crystal ball with him? Well, it was a 10 for like the better part of the past 13 months. No, I, I moved it from a 10 because I don't like the whole lock thing. Cause I don't want to, right. you know, it gets weird. Uh, I have a, I have him as an eight right now, but I, 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 okay. I was thinking about maybe even bumping it up to a nine to be honest. Okay. So the next, the next position of need everyone's curious about is cornerback. Um, tell us what we need to know there. The latest two names to know, um, really. And it's the ones we've, we've been talking about throughout much of the past month or so, uh, Miami is trying to flip Jaden McBurrows, a three-star corner out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas. He's currently committed to Michigan saying the right things about the Wolverines, but Miami's trying to talk him into staying home and, and having the chance to see the field earlier. Remember Miami's only got five scholarship cornerbacks right now. Um, so playing time in some ways is available. I know we both like what we saw out of Isaiah Dunson and Marcus Clark, mm-hmm. but Miami, you know, they, if, if they, they want to take a high school corner, I think if you can get a South Florida kid, a guy who likes to tackle out, out on the boundary or even maybe in that nickel role, uh, you're going to do it. So he's, he's really the name to know. Um, I haven't put in a, a flip pick or anything like that yet. You know, who knows? I, I could see myself potentially doing that at some point over the next few days. Uh, so he's, he's I, the odds on favorite, I guess I would say to end up in Miami's class. And then Demarius McGee, you know, I wrote a big insider um, Friday morning on the website, inside the U.com for VIP subscribers. And I will mention uh, just briefly, I don't want to give away all the juice that, you know, Demarius McGee, I don't think he's maybe as, as big of a lock as we once thought he was to LSU. So he's another name to know, as we progress here over um, the next couple of days. Tell me this, and you don't mention this in the article, I don't think, but do you think, like, let's say in a scenario, McBurrows and McGee want in with Miami. Does Miami take both? Oh, I, I, I would think so. I think they would try to make that work. I mean, that's, okay. that's my honest read on it. Okay, and there is an offensive line target to know about. What do we need to know there? Yeah, Austin Barber, uh, a big offensive tackle out of the Jacksonville area. You know, he's 6'7", right around 300 pounds. Um, He is someone that Miami offered on Monday. So that was after we taped the last podcast, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But he's someone that I've mentioned throughout, you know, multiple times that that Miami was keeping an eye on. He was at one time committed to Minnesota. Decided to open the re- recruitment back up in early November. Said he wanted to maybe play closer to home. Um, and then really it's been four schools that he, he's consistently mentioned. Maryland, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Virginia Tech. Uh, but then all of a sudden Miami threw in that offer. And I think that's making him pause and kind of think about uh, what he wants to do. You know, Miami isn't close to Jacksonville you know, it's a, it's a five hour drive. That's still closer for him than Starkville, Oxford, mm-hmm. uh, Blacksburg and, and, and college park, Maryland. So um, Miami, Miami's in there. He plays in the state title game, uh, the three, a state title game against dad, Franklin and Alan Hay um, next Wednesday, which is the first day of the early signing period. He told me in a text that he thinks he could 
you know, let the world know where he's going at some point after that. And you got to remember the early signing period, everyone thinks it's just that one day, but it does extend into Thursday and Friday. So he could play on, on Wednesday night, win a ring and, and then decide when he wants to do one on Thursday or Friday. But I think, you know, why is Miami trying to look to add another offensive tackle? I think they want to get bigger up front and he's a, he's a pretty athletic big body. It sounds like he's fairly open or at least evaluating all his options still. How would you handicap it? Like, is Miami the team to beat? I, I, you know, I think maybe just because of, of, of distance and, and location. I mean, I'm not saying like, yep, that that's, they're, right. they're going to get him. But I, I think that's the one thing Miami has working in its favor. And who knows, like what if Florida State or, or, or Florida right. were to offer, that's another twist that could be thrown into this recruitment. And he's not an early enrollee. So this could also extend into uh, January and February. And the last two guys I think we should touch on, probably the, the you know most popular guys fans want to know about after Jake Garcia is linebacker, local five-star Terrence Lewis and Louisiana five-star defensive tackle uh, Mason Smith. Anything new there? Not really. Um, I think both of these guys should be considered long shots for Miami. Now, I think we need to separate these two long shots. If Mason Smith called Manny Diaz and defensive coordinator Blake Baker uh, on Tuesday night and said, hey, I, I want to come to Miami, they're absolutely going to find a spot for him. With Terrence Lewis, the local linebacker, um, I, Miami's still going to need to have some some conversations and figure out if that's the direction that they want to go. There, there's a reason why schools have, have backed off Terrence Lewis at, at different points in the recruiting process. So I, I think you, everyone needs to understand that. You know, Miami, to my knowledge, as of, again, Friday at noon, like they haven't decided to go all in at T2. Things can change. Anything can get weird. But right now, I, th I think Terrence is probably going to end up at a Auburn. That's where my crystal ball is. Who knows what happens with Gus Malzahn? Uh, you know, he could mm -hmm. not have a job next Monday or, or something right. like that. Uh, but Tennessee's in there. Texas A&M has been mentioned in the past. And I, I think Florida could potentially be in there as well. So stay tuned there. Um, but, you know, I, I think both those guys are long shots with Mason Smith probably most likely going to end up at LSU or Georgia. So down the stretch, there's always a concern with, you know, potentially guys currently committed looking elsewhere. Um, there was maybe a little bit of smoke from the UCF's site or one of the UCF's sites that covers recruiting about Alan Hay uh, flirting with UCF. What can you tell us about what's going on there? Um, I texted Alan Hay on Thursday when I was driving through some, some backcountry roads and I was like, hey, you know, are you really talking with UCF or, or what? And he quickly responded with a U emoji um, and some green and orange, like heart emojis. Uh, so that kind of answered my question. Like I, I expect him to sign with Miami. I think he is solid with Miami. I, I don't think the UCF stuff was ever real. And just, just talking about guys sticking, it seems like from what I've gathered um, heading into the weekend, Miami feels like all 20 of their guys are going to sign paperwork either on Wednesday. I don't think anyone's going to like wait till Thursday or Friday, but they feel pretty good, which has been the opposite of years past. I mean, remember what happened with Romello height last cycle. 
Um, right. So it, that, I, I think things are good. And then most of the, I know it's hard to gather and pin down, you know, whether or not these guys are enrolling early. Um, are, are there any guys that, you know, you thought might be enrolling early, you know, earlier in this, in this recruiting cycle that, that maybe things are kind of coming down to the wire? There is, there is one um, that I, I don't know if it's been reported. Uh, I guess I should have probably tucked it in the insider. So uh, non-subscribers are just getting a little scoop right here. Uh, Brashard Smith, the wide receiver out of Miami Palmetto. I talked to him on, I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. He says he still has some Florida virtual school work to get done. Um, now he has time. It's December 11th. He would just have to get it done by early January. But I don't think he's... He's a lock, but most of the other guys that attend public schools seem to be on track to start classes at Miami uh, in January. And that's huge um, just because they're going to have an opportunity to work with David Feely uh, and that could potentially get them on the field earlier in their careers. One of the, uh, one of the more underrated guys who, who has, you know, flashed some playmaking ability. There's concerns maybe about his frame, but there's no doubt he has speed right, is Malik Curtis, who is a athlete. He's a wide receiver, uh, could potentially maybe play cornerback if a, if a team wanted to, to, to play cornerback. But um, I, I guess you got word that he looked good in, a, in an all-star game here recently, right, Andrew? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I, I, I think Miami is still planning to, to try him out uh, at cornerback uh, based on just kind of a conversation I had with someone a, a few days ago. Like, I think Miami's still going to try him there, but they also understand that he's really, really good on offense and, mm -hmm. and he could be in Rob Likens receivers room uh, sooner rather than, than later. Uh, and they're going to use him as a returner, but yeah, uh, I, I didn't realize that there was this local all-star game going on. It, it was the rotary classic over in your neck of the words, uh, mm -hmm. David and, and uh, Malik, I, I believe he was named the MVP of the, uh, the game. And, and there's some, there's some clips out there. He hauls in a 41 yard touchdown. It's kind of like a short little pass to him and he takes off. And then he also scored on a, on a five yard uh, touchdown touchdown pass, but man, he is, he is fast. And there wasn't a yeah. ton of power five dudes playing in that game, but there were still a few guys going to Auburn, Michigan and Wisconsin. I thought he just in the limited clips I saw, he looked uh, electric and I think he's kind of not talked about enough, you know, you mentioned on the, the, the previous podcast coming out of that Duke game that you really liked Marcus Clark after he had that interception and, and what he could potentially do. I think maybe you got to trust what Miami, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt with Malik Curtis, because remember Marcus Clark played a ton of offense in right. uh, high school. Yeah. I mean, it, it boils down to Malik Curtis's willingness to tackle. Right. And if he shows a willingness to tackle, He'll probably stick at corner. He'll probably be a good one. If he if he doesn't, then I think he could also be a good receiver. Um, yeah, I'll I'll admit. So like earlier this week, actually. So Malik hasn't uploaded any uh, senior film to the huddle to the public huddle. I guess that that I could watch. Um, so I went and found his quarterbacks huddle highlights for this senior season for this year, and he was making some very nice plays and, and that speed you were talking about is evident. Um, speaking of speed, I think Miami offered a, a local 2022 wide receiver at a Miami Palmetto who 
my understanding is he's pretty fast as well, right, Andrew? Who, yeah. who is it and what do we need to know? Yeah, I mean, it seems a little silly to talk underclassmen so close to the early signing period, but I do think this was a little notable that Miami offered Mike Jackson on uh, – Thursday night, you know, he's a, he's a small, he, he's probably five, nine, 145 pounds. I know there's people asking on our message board, how accurate um, he, that is. And, and he's on the smaller side, but he can move. Um, I've seen, saw him. I, I think he had a long, it was either a return or, or a pass early on in the season. When I went to watch Leonard Taylor and Brashard Smith, I, I just think it's kind of notable that Miami's, you know, trying to, continue to recruit Miami Palmetto, um, keep those coaches there happy, uh, keep that staff happy, you know, with the whole, uh, how the Savion Collins thing played out. But uh, he, he, I have a a feeling Mike Jackson will be a name to know next cycle. And you got to remember, I've been saying for a while now, I don't think the class of 2022 receiver wise down in South Florida is all that great. So maybe that's one of the reasons why Miami decided to offer now. And Miami Palmetto is one of the local or South Florida schools, I guess it should say, that is still in the state playoffs, right? Um, you know, and Miami Palmetto featured Taylor, Richard. Um, I think James Williams is still alive in the state state playoffs as well. Um, who else? Who else is still competing in the state state championships for Miami? Well, uh, Palmetto they host. Osceola Kissimmee on Saturday night at Traz. So they're still alive. Miami Central, um, they face Palmetto at, at Traz on, on Friday night. And I think both those teams should win it and make it to Tallahassee. Chaminade Madonna Prep, which is where Alan Hay and uh, Thad Franklin play, they will, they're, they're already headed to the state's capital. They're going to face Jacksonville Tourney Christian and Austin Barber. Next Wednesday, you you brought up James Williams. He's still alive. And I, am I missing anyone else? And I guess the 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 group at St. Thomas Aquinas with Jaden McBurrows, um, they traveled to face Bloomingdale uh, on Friday night, so they could they could win that as well. And um, last year, one of the kind of the storylines was Miami recruited a bunch of kids that won state titles, and it seems like. That could be the case once again here in the class of 2021. Yeah, I think that does matter too in terms of building your culture. Honestly, you want guys that expect to win, are used to winning. Um, so I think the more guys that can win state championships, of course you want guys that are also good enough, right? But if they're good enough and play for winning programs, I think that does matter in terms of recruiting to your culture. Yeah, one more guy I forgot that's alive, Thomas Davis, Miami's edge rusher commit up there in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are alive. They play Friday night. Uh, Valdosta Lowndes travels to Milton, so they, they're they still there. And I think he was a player of the game last week in, yeah. in his playoff game. He had a bunch of tackles or something like that. So he's another one that we probably do not mention enough. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, that they've started using him more as an edge guy. You know, when we watched him earlier in the season, he was kind of more of a middle linebacker. They put him back on the edge and his production is taking off in that role. Uh, funny, quick, quick side note on that. I, I was actually at a uh, wedding over the weekend and someone there was from Valdosta, big high school football fan. And we started talking about Thomas Davis and, and Jake Garcia and all that. And when I, when I asked for their you know, thoughts on Thomas Davis, didn't really give them a reason why they're like, yeah, his motor runs hot. I'm like, that is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> 
we saw that he's a competitive dude. Okay. Um, I guess this isn't on the rundown, but one quick question for you before we take a break and get into UNC, let's say Miami finishes with Jake Garcia, uh, Jaden McBurrows and Austin Barber. Give me a, a, an initial just kind of grade for that group. Yeah. Well, I've maintained, right? Like until this, like if this class lands a high level quarterback, I think I'm willing to give it like an A minus, right? Maybe a B plus, but I'm a generous grader. So I would probably go A minus. Um, just honestly, even if they only add Jake Garcia. Now I understand corner is still a key position of need. I think they could fill that spot in the transfer portal if they had to. But to me, the the guy that matters is Jake Garcia. You got to stack quarterback, you know, high level quarterbacks year after year after year. And this class is already very, very good without a quarterback. If they land a top 100 level quarterback, it's an excellent class. So that would be a strong finish. Okay. In that scenario, I would go with a solid A. Um, but I think I'm a little bit higher uh, on Jada McBurrows and, and maybe Austin Barber than, than you are. Um, but it would be a, a solid group. And I also understand you, you're for saving counters for more veteran guys. I am, but I, I think honestly, and this is just my opinion, the NCAA is going to be forced to bump the counters. So if I'm Miami, if I'm any school, I fill up my high school signing period. And, you know, it's going to be the entire country, the entire power five group of five is going to complain to the to change this counter. rule, And I think they'll be forced to do so. And Miami will then be able to add more transfers, you know, whatever that new number is. That's just my opinion. Okay, let's take a quick break. Going to get into full UNC preview, even though it's really late on the other side. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. David, this was a game that a lot of Miami fans circled. Um, I think the entire locker room circled it as another potential revenge spot. Remember, Miami lost last season at North Carolina with those missed field goals. Um, so right now the line, the betting line is, is Miami is a three point favorite. Uh, that essentially means it's kind of a pick them cause you get three points right. for home field advantage. Although it is a little bit different here in 2020 with limited fans, Miami's going to be wearing their Miami Knights uniform, even though this thing kicks off at, at three 30 over under is set at 67 and a half points. 
So Vegas is expecting some scoring. Yeah, I think the line is spot on, right? Um, I can totally see why they would expect the game to be played in the 30s. And, you know, I think Miami as a, as a three-point favorite is a tasty line, you know, whether you're a Miami fan or a North Carolina fan, because like you said, it's essentially a toss-up game. Um, it's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to watching it. I think there's a lot of big picture storylines uh, on the line in, in this game, whether that's the opportunity to go to a New Year's Six game. Uh, you could make the argument that the winner of this game is kind of the team to watch in the ACC in terms of, hey, this team is ascending to maybe challenge Clemson uh, in two years or so, right? Um, so there's a lot on the line, I think, in this game. And you know, we'll get into it, but I like Miami's mentality, um, you know, in terms of what, what the coaches are saying in the press conferences, the players seem locked in. I know that's corny to say, but, um, I like where, where this team's focus is going into this game. They seem hungry. How does Miami beat the Tar Heels? How do the Hurricanes take them down? What do they got to do? Give me the, give me the keys. Well, the, the one obvious trend, if you, if you study North Carolina's three losses, the obvious trend is it's not, it doesn't have anything to do, honestly, with limiting Sam Howell and the passing game. It has to do with limiting their run game. So as good as North Carolina's passing attack is with Sam Howell, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, one of the best deep ball throwing quarterbacks in the country, um, you could make an argument that their run game is honestly better. Uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter are, are running backs who each have over 900 yards going into this game. Javante Williams leads the country in forced broken tackles. And Michael Carter is slippery, fast, a big play waiting to happen. And, and both those guys, too, make a ton of plays in the passing game as well. Um, but essentially... North Carolina averages 218 rushing yards per game. And in their losses, uh, their losses to Florida State, Virginia, and Notre Dame, they are averaging about 130 rushing yards per game. So uh, what does that mean? Essentially, the defenses that are able to make them one-dimensional, uh, you know, that gives you a good chance to win the game. Uh, that's easier said than done. Um, because North Carolina's offense, they run an RPO game that puts tremendous stress on your defense the entire game. And essentially, you have to pick your poison, right? You, you got to play the numbers game with North Carolina. If you approach them with a light box, North Carolina is going to run the ball on you. And if you stack the box with numbers, they're going to work the passing game on you. So... Um, there are some, like, I will say this, like in those three, three losses, you could tell, you know, Florida State, Virginia, and the, use that to their advantage. So they knew, hey, we're showing a light box right now. Um, that means we're at a numbers disadvantage, but there's a high probability that a run is coming. So they were set, they were ready for that run, and they were able to make the tackle in space. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess... The biggest key to me is stopping the run, tackling in space, um, limiting explosive touchdowns in the passing game, 
because North Carolina is going to make explosive plays, but Miami just can't let them score on those explosive plays. So those are just kind of the quick hitter points to touch well, on. I, I think most would assume the key to the game is like, or you need to limit Sam Howell, but that's interesting about the rushing attack. I guess my follow-up to that is Al Blades. He announced that he is out for the remainder of the season. Uh, yeah. Miami now has four scholarship cornerbacks. Yeah. Are you concerned um, about yeah. that? No, I, I don't think that's something you can brush off, right? Like this is a game where you want your full allotment of corners. And Al Blades, you know, whether you, you think he's a good player or not, He's a guy that has played a ton of games. He's started a ton of games. He's experienced, um, which does matter. You know, Miami's going to have to throw out some true freshmen uh, to replace him. So that's not a, an ideal situation. Um, so I do, I do think that matters. And look, I would fully expect North Carolina to attack uh, the freshman corners when they are on the field. Um, but really, it's going to boil down to, to Corey Couch and DJ Ivy stepping up, um, particularly, I think, to Corey Couch, who, you know, potentially will have to cover both of UNC's best receiver, uh, Deami Brown, who plays on the outside. And then when, when Takori kicks into the nickel spot on third down, he'll have to cover Daz Newsom for, for North Carolina, who's their excellent slot receiver. So he'll have his hands full. Um, it's again, it's not an ideal situation. You want all the depth you can against this North Carolina offense. Um, but I think can Miami still win the game? Like, I don't think Al Blades is a deal breaker in terms of, oh, Miami's going to lose the game now. Um, but it is something to watch. Do you think there's like a silver lining in this? And, and hear me out here. Okay. I mean, the ACC has basically made it where Miami can't play for an ACC title. Um, the league decided that in, in an office, you know, Miami's, what are they nine and one right now? Or is it eight and one? Eight and one. Eight and one. Like I'm not saying the season's a washer by any means, but Miami has accomplished one goal, which was winning games. Um, that is keeping your 2021 recruiting class intact. Um, you can't play for an ACC title. So, uh, so I guess, is the silver lining kind of that you're forced to play some of these younger guys when uh, the year really doesn't count? Like, I mean, there's going to be probably some growing pains on Saturday, but you are getting Marcus Clark and potentially Isaiah Dunson, like some, some valuable reps in, in, in games that matter. Yeah. And we'll see if the Eric King comes back um, next season. Or, or whatnot, but I mean, it's just kind of something to think about. Like, yeah, it sucks. Al Blade will not be out there dealing with a medical condition, but you know, next man up, and and really, you know, that allows you to know kind of what you have in your cornerback room. I agree. I mean, again, let me let me be clear. I think you feel this way too. We would both rather have Al Blades out there, um, but uh, you know, Marcus Clark, Isaiah Dunson, you're going to be thrown into the fire. And if they play well, yeah, this will turn into a silver lining. So I do think you make a good point. Okay. Uh, you, I just, you just mentioned two guys that do potentially need to play well along with the other corners. But uh, who needs to step up for Miami? Who, who could potentially be the player of the game if uh, on Saturday night Miami um, yeah. is celebrating a victory? 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we kind of talk about these guys every week, but I mean, it doesn't change week to week to week really. Um, you know, so the weakness of North Carolina's offense is their pass protection. Um, and so Jalen Phillips, uh, Quincy Roche, Nesta Silvera, I would expect Jared Harrison Hunt to be back this week. Those guys, if they win their matchup against North Carolina's offensive line, um, you know, Miami's going to be in a good spot to win the game. Another trend that has emerged in North Carolina's losses is um, they've allowed five sacks in, in all three of their loss or an average of five sacks in all three of their losses. So um, if you can get after Sam Howell, that really disrupts things, obviously, for North Carolina, gets them out of their rhythm. Um, even Florida State in their win over North Carolina who doesn't have much of a pass rush this year, they were able to sack Sam Howell, I believe, four times. Um, so, you know, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche are playing at an elite level over the last month. If that continues against North Carolina, which I don't see why it wouldn't, because North Carolina, frankly, doesn't offer very good offensive tackles. Um, so if those two guys dominate their matchups on the edge, Miami's – chances of winning go up significantly. So Stacy Searles doesn't have a good offensive line is what you're, what you're saying. He does not, not this year, uh, particularly at left tackle. One of the, you know, just if you believe in pro football focus grades, one of the worst left tackles in the ACC this year. Ooh. Okay. That, that kind of segues perfectly into my next, uh, what I got written down next. That's our sports line over unders. I do want to chime in here right now. Jose Borgales uh, just tweeted out. He received a invitation to the Reese senior bowl, um, but they haven't announced it. So does that mean he's accepted or not? But I, I think I you, I mean, you both said like, he's probably NFL talent, correct? Yes. He should, he should go to the NFL. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So it'll still be a Borgales next year kicking, but yeah, he yeah. should, he should go on. Okay. Uh, sports line over unders. I, first I should say, I, Still have not got my Mac back, um, so I went and I bought a new <laughs> Mac, uh, the brand new MacBook Pro. You know that was it's nice. Uh, yeah, to had to dig into the savings for that, but it is amazing, uh, yeah. and I can now get access to pretty much everything I had. So that's why we have intro music on this podcast. Um, we're back. We're, we are back. Sports line over unders. So sports line. You know we had an Alan Bell on before the season even started. Um, you guys can subscribe if you like gambling, I would highly recommend it. It's easy. You want to tune on a game. They will tell you which, which side to bet. But anyways, they have Miami winning this thing or, or their computer calculations, 37 to 27. Uh, so Miami wow. would cover, cover in that situation. I think the over would hit. I'm not good at math with the, yes, the over would hit. Um, and so I got, I got my, my, my classic over unders for you, Sam Howell. Over under 250 passing yards. I'll say over. I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit 300. But again, like. Is that because Miami's shutting down the run, though? I mean, I think they will do a good job of containing the run. I don't know about shutting down, but yes, containing. And so that will force North Carolina to pass the ball a bunch. I mean, Miami fans are going to have to watch this game with the mindset of North Carolina is going to get yards, North Carolina is going to get points. It's just a matter of number one, can Miami's offense keep up with that pace? And number two, like the efficiency that North Carolina is getting those yards and points 
uh, with? Are they getting explosive plays? Um, is, is North Carolina having to settle for field goals or are they scoring touchdowns? So again, to, to answer the question, I think Sam Howe's going to throw forever 250. I would say that's a lock, to be honest. Hmm. I'll be interested to see then if it's available at my local on Saturday. All right. <laughs> Derek King over under 275 passing yards. They have him at 277 for the game. I would take the under. I think, I think for him, like to me, that's funny that, that the big King will throw more than like, I understand North Carolina's pass defense. Their, their secondary is not that great. Um, but still, I think Miami's going to need to run the ball more um than than pass the ball this week. So I, I would say King will throw for like maybe 250. So I would take the under. Okay, last one. This this goes back to that left tackle thing. Miami over under three sacks. So if they got three, it would be a push. They're projecting them to get three. Right. And I think their their season average uh that they are allowing this year, North Carolina, is about three sacks. So it's like 2.9 something. So this would be kind of their average. I will take the over just because Miami's pass rush, I feel like is hitting another level. Um, and, and kind of like I've alluded to when, when North Carolina's faced the better pass rushing teams, they allow four five, six sacks. So I'll take the over. Mm. Jalen Phillips. I saw in that mock draft uh, is all of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden like some NFL writers like, Oh my God, this guy's draft eligible. Come on guys. Top five. Top five pick. Wow. So they could potentially, and this kind of circle, this ties into Miami uh, going after graduate transfer defensive ends. They could yeah. have three defensive linemen selected in the first two rounds. Yep. Yep. So it would be Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau, and Quincy Roche. You know, I think you could say in the top 40 picks, maybe, right? Three guys. What 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 are what are all the writers that did last year complaining about how Miami has no talent, no first round picks? Like, well, are they going to just you know turn around and, and write Manny's got it figured out? I mean, they they got to give some praise, correct? It means the U is back, right? <laughs> God, like Borgales could be drafted too. Like, they could do very well this NFL draft. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who leaves and, you know, the guys that do leave where they get picked for sure. But Miami will definitely, I think, be able to use the draft as a recruiting tool uh, for the 2022 class. Okay. Score predictions, David. Give me what you got. Miami, North Carolina, Collision Course, Hard Rock Stadium, 330 yeah. ABC. Is the weather going to be good? I'm, I'm assuming so. I think so, yeah. Um. So I'm a little nervous about this pick, right? And I think I mentioned in the last podcast, prior to the Duke game, I kind of resigned myself to, you know, I thought North Carolina was going to win the game. Um, after that Duke performance, I have changed my mind. I don't know if I'm putting too much, uh, my, am I putting too much stock in a win over Duke? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I just like the way this team's playing, man. They, they, they're playing hard. Um, you know, the defense, I think, is, is hitting another level, uh, both as a pass rush, and I think the run defense, too, is much better than in the first half of the season. Uh, so I guess I'm going to go with Miami 38, North Carolina 35 in a very 
entertaining game. I'm like right there with you. I got uh, Miami 41. Uh, I almost said Duke for some reason, but that, that's because I, I have it written down here for in, in a second. Give me, give me one second. Uh, Miami 41, North Carolina 35. I think there's going to be points. Points are going to be scored. Let's just get that out of the yeah. way. Um, but when I, when I was on my drive, I was kind of thinking about this. You know, Miami made a statement obviously at North Carolina state, but the past two games, Virginia tech and and Duke, those were both kind of like revenge games from, from last season. I think the, the, you mentioned that this team is motivated and I I think they're going to come out and and they're going to absolutely want to tear someone's head off. So I, I I just, I'd feel confident backing in Miami. I think it'll be close. And I think there's going to be points. I think to, to, to what you were touching on with the motivation, they do seem kind of pissed off. Like Derek King didn't even hide it. Like he, he's kind of like, he doesn't understand why Miami's ranked 10th. Right. So he's using that as motivation. Uh, Manny Diaz on Wednesday said about 10 times during his media session that, Oh, during the preseason, everyone in the ACC picked North Carolina to win the coastal. So it's pretty obvious he's beating that drum. Um, you know, and, and the guys in general too have have made it clear, like, yo, we want to play in a good bowl game. So there's not many teams at this stage of, of this 2020 season that are motivated. And I think North Carolina's motivated. I'm not saying they aren't, but I think Miami's highly motivated. I think they are kind of viewing this in a way as their ACC championship game. And you know, I, I think when Miami is highly motivated and they're playing well they have shown to be a dangerous team. Um, and so I think they'll get the job done on Saturday. Hey, they win. Who knows what happens with the Florida and the SEC title game next weekend? Bam. Orange Bowl, <laughs> Miami, Florida. Dude, I'm, I'm absolutely here for that. It would be fun. It would be fun. Would it be the Orange Bowl? I mean, or would it be something? Yes. Yeah. Who knows what's going on? All I'm pulling for is FAU to make the Cure Bowl in Orlando. <laughs> Uh, the day after Christmas, because I will be up there. There will be no recruiting news going on, and I will be dropping a keg at my father's house um, and just, you know, ready to watch the owls. So that's 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 the only bull I'm I'm pulling for right now. I would say if Miami wins against North Carolina, and you know, barring a Florida upset over Alabama, I think it's it's pretty much a lock. Miami would play Florida in the Orange Bowl. It just makes too much sense in this 2020 year you know, to get the local teams that are both having good seasons, um, you know, a rivalry game, the storyline of Kyle Trask and De'Ara King, it's just too juicy to pass up. So it, it would be a fun one. Okay. Well, make sure you guys stay locked to the site. We will have a podcast or two this weekend, and then I'm sure we'll do a, a previewing the signing day, but we live in an era where anything can happen. So check the feeds and, uh, We will see you next time. Take care, guys.